You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth are you doing here? Well, these things are usually on the street. Look, be it. Will you do it? Faint vibration. It's alive. Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight, you never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, Station Who listeners. Welcome back to another fun episode. That's right, folks. We are back, and we are going to be talking all about the Sixth Doctor story, Vengeance on Varos. It's going to be a fun Doctor and Perry adventure at its best. <laughs> okay, I couldn't even say that with a straight face, and Mary's already laughing. <laughs> It's gonna be. It's gonna be. A, we're gonna try to be really nice on this one, folks. We really are. We're off to a good start. Oh, I know. And we've got a great crew to talk all about it tonight, and they're gonna join us in all this fun. Thanks to our guests for being here tonight, Matthew Kressel. Thank you, my friend, for being here. Well, thank you as always for inviting me to come on. Oh, Matthew, it's great. I couldn't think of doing a sixth or seventh Doctor story without you. So. It's always it's always a great time. Much appreciated. <laughs> and of course, Dave Chapman is back with us. Welcome back, Dave. Hello, hello. Glad to be back. Actually, you're coming to us from lovely Las Vegas this time. I am. I was out. Uh, Steep Games brought me down to Dice Tower West, so I was doing that, and I'm off to Reno here later in the week and then back to Vegas again. So I'm down in Nevada for most of the month. Wow. So he's just, he's just going to Reno to watch a man die. That's awesome. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> well, I think you could just show him this episode. So it's, you know, just as bad. Yeah, that's, uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And we also have our regulars. Of course, let's welcome Mary Ogle. Hi everybody. It is fantastic to be here. Really? <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually very happy because it's there are no other Six Doctor episodes until Trial of a Time Lord. So, well, we have a lot of big finish to capture with him. Exactly, comic books, exactly. Target novels. Exactly. So we'll be going for quite some time. Don't worry. And of course, Mr. Howdy himself, Mr. Mike Gordon, is here. Howdy. Yes, How this are is you? The week for vengeance. Oh, that's right. Oh, speaking of that, I added, uh, I captured uh, Ashley's saying, I am vengeance. So we're going to be playing it all across the ESO network now. I was going to say, it'd be perfect for this episode. I'm vengeance. Oh, exactly. So now whenever we say vengeance on Varos, we have to say vengeance on Varos. 
So. <laughs> right. yeah. it, it makes it better than the episode actually is. So it'll mm. be. We have to do something to entertain ourselves. And it should be. It should be a ton of fun, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at earthstationwho.com. Please let us know what's going on with you guys. Did you guys like this one? This is true '80s Doctor Who at its best. And, you know, and it's... That's, well, it's true 80s Doctor Who. <laughs> it, it totally is. And, you know, and there's a lot to talk about on it. So we'll be doing that in a few minutes. But, of course, we always want to see you guys, you know, if you ever want to have Doctor Who talk or Doctor Who discussions or such, please join us over on Facebook. We have a great Earth Station Who group. And we don't promote it nearly enough, and we're going to start pushing it a little bit. And actually, one of the things we're probably planning on doing is taking the group private because we've been having people post weird stuff since it's a public group. And Facebook just lets anybody in a public group post. And some people have been asking us about COVID and such because we're doctors, of course. Uh And having to explain to them that, you know, doctor who, not doctors who talk about COVID, you know, so, <laughs> and so, so yeah, so we're looking at probably doing that in the next week or two. So you definitely can join in though, in the meantime, and we definitely would love to have you guys participate, you know, putting up funny memes, talking about who you guys think is going to be the next doctor. What do you guys think of Colin Baker's wonderful masterpiece here? We definitely want to hear all about it. So definitely join in <laughs> with the Facebook group. It's a ton of fun and a lot of great people and you never know. You might actually make a new best friend up there or not. You might make a regeneration guest or something. You never know. But anyway, definitely check out our Facebook group. Also, of course, we want to say howdy to our patrons over on the ESO network. They get this two days early because, you know, they're patrons. They, you know, donate to the ESO network and as a way of saying thank you, they get our episodes two days before the rest of the world. So you get to hear this wonderful thing talking about vengeance on Varos two days before the rest of the world has to be tortured with it. So it's going to be a ton of fun to do. And we want to say thank you. And you too can sign up for the ESO Patreon by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. Definitely check it out. All right, guys, let's hop into Dr. Who news. Still not a ton of new news, a lot of rumors, a lot of speculations. But one of the things that actually came out this last week in an interview, the Ninth Doctor himself, Chris Eccleston, came out and said there would be only one way he would return to Doctor Who. And this is a big step for him, actually, because he used to say there was no way in hell he would ever return to Doctor Who. I think he's kind of softening. He's finding out how much fun he's been having with Big Finish being the Ninth Doctor again. And, folks, those if you haven't had a chance to listen to those adventures, they have been great. They have been a ton of fun. We actually reviewed the first episode that he did for Big Finish uh, when we did this. I guess it was a special uh, pre-Dragon Con pan- virtual panel last year. Um, featuring the Ninth Doctor, and we did the big finish storyline there. And I think we have in a couple weeks um, down the line, we'll be talking all about the um, next, the second one. So, you know, I think we got that on our schedule. So we'll be talking about Chris a little bit. But it's interesting because Chris has, you know, kind of softened his stance. And he actually has said that 
you know, he will come back to Doctor Who on one, on, for only on one instance because he says he would never come back for a multi-doctor story. He said it's to him, multi-doctor stories are all cash grabs. And I kind of agree with that in some ways. I love the multi-doctor stories. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, and there should only be saved for like holiday, like the special anniversaries and such more than making them commonplace. But it's interesting that he said he wouldn't do that, but he would come back to Doctor Who if he could do a solo story. Would you want to maybe see a solo story like they did with Paul McGann as like a special for the an anniversary, like for a 60th or something? What do you guys think of his attitude with it, too? You mean just like a short episode, like a webisode? Yeah. I mean, that would be kind of fun, actually. If we, if, if we could see something like that, I'm not sure seeing an entire like full length episode is going to happen. No, I, I doubt a full episode would ever happen like that. Which might be why he's saying it to begin with. I mean, also, also true. Yeah, I mean, we also know that he's made comments before that there's no way he'd come back to Doctor Who, but with anything involving Russell T Davies at all. So I think that automatically rules him out of coming back for anything for the 60th next year. Um, but I could see them making it work. You could do a one-off flashback episode sort of tying in. And they've done it before in the books and the Big Finish audios where you have a past Doctor setting up events for the current Doctor's story. So it's been done in the audios. It's been done in, in a couple of the books over the years. So if you wanted to do like a one-off anniversary thing, it would be one way to do it. Um, I just, it's, it ain't going to happen in 2023 though. And I'd be curious to see if it had happened in 2043 for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Mm, no, I think that'd be kind of tough to see for the 70th anniversary. They could wheel them out or something by then. It, it, you know, it, it kind of bothers me though. He says, you know, he says that it's uh that multi-doctor stories are a bit of a cash in. He said um, a bit exploitation is his exact quote. He says, creatively, they never worked for me. I looked at the script for the 50th anniversary, and I felt as soon as I said I wasn't doing it, it got better because, well, if I'm not in it, it's better. Um, that's extremely narcissistic and <laughs> um, and and incorrect. I mean, it, look, I didn't see the script before the War Doctor was added to it. But let's, let's say that the only thing that was changed was that it was – the war doctor instead of his doctor. I think it was, that's a fantastic story. It's one of my favorite doctor who stories. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that story. Um, I mean, is it an anniversary? Is it a special thing? Is it a cash in? Well, every episode of doctor who they film is a cash in. Like they want to make money every with every episode. Yeah. So why would that be any different? I don't know. I just, I can see where, you know, in some cases it's done just to do it. But in, in the case of the 50th, I really don't feel like that was the case. I feel like they had a really good, strong script. And I think it actually hurt that he wasn't in it, involved. They had to make up another doctor to come out of nowhere. And I love John Hurt. Don't get me wrong. But I think that was all unnecessary and it was overcomplicated. Um, it would have been fun watching the three of them work together. And we missed out on that opportunity because he just felt like, you know, I think there was other reasons too. I just don't think it was just that. Oh, definitely. I think it is something to be said about it. He thinks it was better without him. I don't know that it was necessarily 
it's better without him. And John Hurt's pretty damn amazing. And the War Doctor's a pretty amazing character. So I think that's definitely, you know, a factor, I think, in that statement. I don't think it was quite as um, arrogant as it was. I think it was partly meant as as a bit of a compliment to John Hurt as well as anything else. But there is something as well in that he doesn't look like he used to. He has not aged as well as, you know, Paul McGann or, you know, Matt Smith or, or David Tennant. David for that Tennant. Matter. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, there's so many people. He is, he's just, he does not look like what he used to. So that makes it harder because we know where he's, we know where he ended. And how he looked when he ended. So it's like, how do you work that in? Well, you could, I don't know. Well, that's ignore, also... ignore it like you did with the yes. second doctor, yeah. I guess. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, like he could give him the gray hair like the second doctor had and mm. the six doctors. But, uh, but it was interesting that when, you know, with him, I think the audios might be just a perfect fit for him. Because in yes. your mind, he still looks like right. what, what he did. Yeah. I mean, let's not let's not forget that this is a guy who, you know, now I'm not saying he's not he wasn't he's never been wronged, but he he really is a sensitive guy. I mean, he has not he has not a lot of good things to say about his time on Doctor Who. He has not a lot of good things about his time on Thor. Uh, he has. I mean, he gets a job, he gets prominent and he he really like is not afraid to speak out about it. So um, he's kind of you know, a mixed bag. If you get, I mean, he's got great, he does great work on screen, but off screen, you get a lot of baggage with him, I think too. Mm. No, agreed completely with that. And he, he is a ticking time bomb in some ways, because if you hurt his feelings, he'll come out and across the media and badmouth you. And he had no, and you have no idea what will hurt his feelings. Exactly. Like he's just, he's just one of those things. And it's like, I'm not saying it's not worth it, but I think there's a reason why you don't see him in more and more high profile projects because they don't want to be bothered. It's difficult to work with. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think well, RT, I, think I don't think RTD is going to be <laughs> going yeah. to bring him back. Yeah, anyway. I don't think so either. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I think also too. I mean, he's also going back to what you're saying about high profile high profile projects. I mean, he himself has admitted that there there's been a few jobs he's done the GI Joe movie. Uh, about 10, 12 years ago, he did was something he delivered. He did because he was in Hollywood and he needed the paycheck right. and instantly regretted it. So I think he said in interviews, he's gotten a lot more choosy with the roles that he, that he picks to play with as well. So it, it works both ways, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I, he perfectly is, it should do things that make him happy. And I understand that, you know, and I'm not saying he wasn't wronged on anything that he's been in because look, I mean, his time on Dr. Who, I, although we don't know exactly the specifics of everything that went down, like it was, it, there was something that went down and then both parties, I feel like are to blame for that. Um, and, and like on Thor, I mean, look, Thor, <laughs> Dark World is not one that anybody really likes a lot. So, I mean, you can understand. And he didn't really have much to do in that one. And he's in on a lot of makeup. So you kind of understand that that's not really, that wasn't probably a good job. But um, but in any case, I mean, he's a good actor. If he does Doctor Who at all, I'm interested uh, because I do like what he brings to the table on screen. And so I, I just, you know, I'm kind of miffed that he does, the, he kind of says something like, and he seems like he does this sort of thing to get like, attention 
That's why most works. most celebrities talk to the media to <laughs> and, get and attention. It doesn't, it doesn't help that you know this clickbait society that we live in. It's like it's all everywhere. As soon as he says something negative about something, it's everywhere. He might say like a hundred positive things about Doctor Who. That's not going to be everywhere, but this is right. Yeah. Nope. Exactly. Um, and if he says nice things, they'll go. Oh, that's nice. But then if he says something bad, oh, my God. And he actually gave uh, Jody a huge compliment in that same article, though. He did. He did. Yeah. And so that was really positive, you know, that she's doing a fabulous job on the role. And Yeah, but that didn't make the headlines. No, and it should have. No, well, it, it depends, on, <laughs> depends on where you were looking, because I know the, the hashtag Not My Doctor crowd on Twitter had an absolute field day with those comments. Oh, wow. But I mean, I will say it. Like Mike pointed out, it's pretty disingenuous to say it's just for you know multi doctor stories or just for a cash grab. When uh, you know Doctor Who's not a charity project. <laughs> you know the whole point of it is is to make money for the studio. I mean, come on. And that's just you know, it's just it miffs me when he says things that that don't really make any sense. In other words, well, this, this thing is, is bad just because I've said this thing is bad without taking into consideration that, you know, like the 50th anniversary was a really good story. So I don't see why you can criticize it for being a multi-doctor story when it was at, at the base, a really good story. No, agreed. And the 50th anniversary special truthfully was one of the best crossovers I've ever seen. And laid groundwork for so much more even in the future. Hell, we got to see Capaldi's doctor for the very first time. Hell, that's how he got the name Dr. Angry Eyes. Come on. <laughs> so, But even outside of that, I think it's a great, like, it's one of my top Doctor Who stories, period. And not just because it's a multi-doctor story. But because it's a really good story. It's just story. a good story. Yeah. 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 And, and, I mean, and, it, it's beside the point that it's a multi-doctor yeah. story. And, and, yeah. and so for them to take exception to that one in particular, you know, and I just like, I don't see him like looking at all the others and going, yeah, these are all, like, I just don't, I don't know if he ever, I don't know. I don't know him well enough to know that if he's had a history of watching Doctor Who enough to know, to comment on what is good Doctor Who and what's not. Yeah, we see it's that sort of thing that makes me think like he, you know, that comment was specifically, he, he said it specifically because he knew it was going to make headlines. He knew right. it was going to bring him attention. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, good on you, Chris. You and made some headlines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, 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 we gave did, it to him. We just spent the last 10 minutes talking yeah, we about just catered it. to him, but yeah. nobody listens to us anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other, what do you mean? The other we're in the top 100, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is that he said these things at a convention, being asked this question for God knows how many times now well, that he's true. been asked it as well. So, and you know, for that matter, there was a time, you know, when he said he would never do Big Finish, and then apparently, literally walked off the stage at Galley, having said that, to have a conversation with Jason A. Ellery that started the ball rolling on him doing Big Finish. That's so. True. Who knows if you'll pardon the expression? No, absolutely. It's a good no. call. Right. Very much so. I agree completely with that, Matthew. So that's enough talking about that guy. No more. 
<laughs> we're done. We're done. Otherwise, there's no new Doctor Who news. Um, the producer of Doctor Who has announced that the regeneration of Jody's Doctor is going to be epic. Of course oh, it is. Yeah, like they like they, they say that about every time. Yeah, exactly. So it's like okay, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be sad. I'll be like ah, so I'm gonna much. Be sad about Jody going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe not so much about Chris. Sorry, Chris. No. I I'm the same way. It's like Chris, better luck to you. Hopefully, I land on your feet somewhere else, but get away from Doctor Who. So, but I will ask you guys this: any predictions when you think we will we'll hear about a new Doctor? Do you think it's going to be by summertime, or do you think it's going to be sooner? Well, it's going to be harder to keep it secret when they start. I mean, I, they've already started like pre-production. So it's going to be harder yeah. when when actual filming starts. Yeah, to keep when it when it's when it's absolutely necessary for them to reveal it because they won't be able to keep it under wraps, then that's when they'll reveal it, and and yeah. who knows when that is. So, but obviously, to Mary's point, it's going to be before they start shooting. Yeah, because unless they shoot the entire thing in studio, right? Yeah, no which I suppose they're... you could, but yeah. Which there's there's absolutely no way they can keep it secret. I mean, that was how, you know, John Sim coming back in the Series 10 finale ended up getting blown was because some tabloid photographer was sitting there and just happened to catch John Sims out on location. And somebody called the BBC for comment and then Moffat and them had to scramble to put him in to put him in one of the season trailers before the news could bust. Um, if I had to take any bets on when we'll know. I think it'll be it, – there's one of two places we'll find out. We'll either find out at the end of Legend of the Sea Devils, which is now going to air around Easter time. Right. Or we'll find out just a little bit after that in the May-June time frame. Um, I know there was a lot of people who were betting money that we were going to find out here in a couple of weeks when the um, – anniversary of rose broadcasting mm. uh is coming up but i'm i'm personally kind of doubtful of that there's it's if it follows the trend like they've done with capaldi and with jody we'll find out it'll be on the tail end of some big events so maybe a sporting event so it seems to be when they aim you know if you think about what they did with jody you know, they did it on the back of, of, I can't remember what the big sporting event was that year, but I would suspect it'll be something along those lines. Wasn't it Wimbledon or something like that? That sounds about right. It was the height of summer, whatever it was. Yeah, so it probably might have been Wimbledon, or it could have been uh, one of the World Cup things. You know, the the silly football yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, all I know Ooh. about that is Ted. All I know about that is Ted Lasso, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I definitely agree with uh, with Matthew there that Easter is a definite possibility just because that would then cut off any, hey, tabloid stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. That's a reasonable place for them to do it. Well, and if you wanted to make sure that you got good ratings or better ratings for that episode, you know, to tack on the thing at the end, uh, you know, you'll find out who the new doctor is at the end of like, that would increase ratings of that whole story, I think. Oh, God, yeah. I would guarantee yeah. it. And the next day, of course, you know, the news, the tabloids in the UK would be going, so how long is this person going to last? Or, oh, so-and-so is <laughs> already unhappy being the doctor. You know, it's like. Yeah. Exactly. So thanks, if Radio Times. Way, if I had my way, we would find out who the, the next doctor is in about episode two of season 14. 
when it airs. <laughs> that would be awesome. Hide, hide the ever-loving heck out of it. Bury it as deep as you can until it's there. Well, it's funny as hell because we joked about it, I forgot, probably about six months ago, saying, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, they didn't know who the new doctor was and they didn't show it until the second or third episode of the yeah. season. The first couple of episodes was like Yaz and Dan trying to find out what happened to the doctor after she regenerated and searching for her. And because the TARDIS is there, it wasn't destroyed this time. And, you know, it, they're trying to find her and, you know, they don't know if it's male, female or Captain Jack, you know, it's pretty awesome. With a new companion. Exactly. It's not actually the companion. Hmm. Very interesting. Exactly. So it, there's a lot of possibilities there. And, you know, that would be why we don't write Doctor Who, because we come up with great ideas here. That's right. <laughs> so. Yes, they leave that to, to, to Chibnall and whoever wrote Vengeance on Varos. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I have to look, I have to look real quick because it was it a Pip and Jane, Jane Baker once story. Nope, no, uh, uh, Philip Martin. No, because no. uh, uh, it had Pip and Jane Baker written all over it. So, <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment to talk all about Vengeance on Varos. <laughs> Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Welcome back. Now it is time to go to the Sixth Doctor era, and we are going to go back to season twenty-two, the year nineteen eighty-five. Oh my God, that's that was almost my eighteenth birthday because it, it premiered January nineteenth, nineteen eighty-five, and my birthday is January eighteenth. So, wow! Happy birthday! Happy birthday. Oh, this, is your, this is your present. Exactly. Oh no! Your gift. What did I do wrong on my 18th birthday? You've become a man. Now Thank watch you. Vengeance on Barros. Actually, it must. I must have been too hungover from seeing Rocky Horror that night before because we went for my 18th birthday. So that's okay. I can make you all feel real old because I was nearly negative four at this point. So oh, shut up! Oh, shut man. up! Okay. Shut where's up. the button to it? Where's the eject button? Yeah. <laughs> I am the only one who has that, that and Dr. Evil. So it's okay. So yes, it's, uh, it was interesting. Colin Baker and you also had Nicole Bryant as Perry Brown. And, you know, thank goodness it was only two 45 minute episodes. (laughs) Yes. And Judy was watching this with me and she's never, ever seen a six doctor story before. No, she's actually, she's <laughs> met Colin. She's met Colin Baker with me before, but she's never um, seen an episode with him. And she says, 
why is they just showing off her cleavage and why is he wearing that awful multicolored outfit? And it's like, good and, question. You know, yep. Yeah, well, two, two, two things right there, right from the beginning, this story. Wow. And she couldn't believe how phallic Syl was the whole time. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> And the, the whole thing's about snuff films, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it literally is. It's, you know, they come to a planet where people are entertained by watching torture and killing on TV, just like today, you know. <laughs> and it's really, really pathetic, you know, that, you know, it's a mining planet that, you know, has fallen disrepair and they basically – the storyline really didn't even make sense. You know, the doctor wasn't there. He kind of helped free them, but he didn't. They did it to themselves in a lot of ways. So but the ending, I kept, I kept looking at the ending thinking this, this is just going to slide right back to what they were before. They didn't really resolve anything. No, they didn't. Um, they got rid of some bad people. They stood up to the conglomerate that Syl belonged to, and that was about then, it. Yeah, the next one's going to come along. The whole thing's going to start all over again. <laughs> they don't. They don't feel like they really learned much. Welcome no, to they, real life. Exactly. They didn't have any kind of government set up or any plans to be able to run up themselves. Run on themselves, you know, because they just had a governor. And when the governor didn't do what the people wanted, they killed him, basically. They voted him out, literally. I do have to say, living in Florida, I had, had some sympathy from that point of view. <laughs> that, that is one thing about this this storyline, is it's so modern, it terribly done, but it speaks to today. It's I mean, the same the, thing. The philosophy behind yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Only about you know thirty five years ahead of its ahead of its time in some ways. Exactly. Might as well be a Simpsons episode. Yeah, kind of, sort of, and it. That's why I was like, watch it. Well, seeing the people just sitting around, you know, watching the TV. Oh, I want to be entertained. And then when the, at the end of the, the episodes, when the TV went off, what do we do now? It's pretty much the same thing. What happens if the internet goes out? But yeah. it never will, folks. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> you know? But um, but yeah, what you know, people would be sitting around. What we have to read a book. We got to talk to each other. We have to entertain ourselves. You know, it's craziness. The story is a bit. I mean, well, the way it's directed and everything, it's a bit meta too, because they, you know they're watching as we're watching, and you know they they're they're talking about we need to we need to to have a you know how do we make the torture scene more more interesting, more dramatic. And that's what happens. And it, we fall into that as well on the show. Like it, there's a little, like a meta element to it that is kind of interesting, but it doesn't hold. Unfortunately, almost every, almost all the concepts and characters in this, uh, they have potential, but they, they don't hold, they don't hold together at all. Yeah. They fell apart pretty quickly. And, and you certainly, I, you know, I'm not rooting for anybody. (laughs) You know, the the couple is terrible. (laughs) The couple we keep coming back to that are watching the shows. They're both very unlikable. They're not, I mean, and they don't have to be likable to gain my interest. They're boring (laughs) and unlikable. And the least likable person stuck around for two more seasons before, before they fired him. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Touche, touche. Yeah. It is a, uh, I mean, obviously the, the standout character is Syl, um, who goes on to do, he's in another uh, later story, as well as a lot of big finish. Um, and, you know, Syl's an interesting character. I will say that uh, Shaban, who plays him, is is very enthusiastic. <laughs> That's what I'm oh, very much say. <laughs> really over the top, you know, and it, it, there's uh he's having fun. Um when everybody else looks miserable. <laughs> like, it just seems like like everybody who was making this just was having a horrible time, except this guy. Like I just I just imagine behind the scenes it was probably awkward too. But um, you know, uh I don't know. I don't I haven't seen Sills or heard Sills' later adventures, so I don't know how well he's used in the in the future episodes of stuff. But uh, you know, uh, oh, wait till Trial of the Time Lord, my friend. Wait till uh, that's a long wait. That's going to be a very long wait. Um, uh, but I don't know, Matthew. Have you heard any of the adventures with Sill in them? Yeah, there's a. At least a couple of other big Finnish audios. There's one actually written. They're actually, they're both written by Philip Martin, who also wrote this. Uh, one of which was a story that was originally uh, conceived of and written for what should have been the original follow-up season for this before the hiatus hit, um, called Mission to Magnus, where he's used pretty well. But Mission to Magnus has got has got some other issues, including some uh, gender politics that sound like they came out of the 1930s, not the 1980s. Um, and there's also another one called Antidote to Oblivion, uh, which is actually probably the best of those two audios. And should mention as well that Sill's gotten his own spinoff movie. So I think it's called The Seeds of Endor, if memory serves, or something along those lines that uh, was produced by Real Time, I think. And I know it's won a bunch of awards, but I haven't seen it. Wow. Really? I did not know about that. Yeah. It Sill came out- and the Devil Seeds of Endor. Ar- Thank Ar- you. Ar- I don't know how you pronounce it because I haven't watched the movie. Yeah, because I was going to say Andor is Star Wars. So. Yeah. A R O D O R. R O D O R. R O D O R. Yeah. Yeah. Please it, write in at feedback at com. <laughs> Put in attention to Matthew Kressel to see how he could pronounce it. <laughs> so definitely check that out. But yeah, I do agree. He was he was the most memorable out of all the characters mm-hmm. that were introduced in this. The you know, it was interesting too because like the governor was forgettable, the guy who was wearing the mask, the scientist or whatever who was just into torturing people, very unmemorable. Even the guards and you know was just like it was so by the numbers it wasn't there wasn't even anything predictable about this other than you got to see the doctor holding a gun and shooting out a control panel take that for all those people who complained that matt smith got a gun and shot a, you know. <laughs> so there yeah yeah it's, what about the acid bath scene oh that was gruesome and the, guy- the doctor's thrilled about it <laughs> Yeah, he he straight up murdered some people in this. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. Well, uh, it, it wouldn't be so bad if he didn't have like in the acid scene. He has that James Bond style one liner after it's over with. Yep, yep. And it, you know, it's like you know Roger Moore or Roger Moore's James Bond can do that. The do- that is not a line you give the doctor to say. No. Uh uh-uh, no. It's like Roger Moore. Okay, Colin Baker. 
no. Yeah. And <laughs> this is why I can understand why people were complaining because at the time it was still supposed to be a children's show. Yeah. And, you know, it was supposed to be family based. And that's the whole, this is part of the reason they had the whole crusade against Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, and I could totally see that. Um, then the scenes with Perry and that other woman being transformed into animal creatures. And, you know, it's like, oh, Perry wants to fly and be free. That's why she's turning into a bird. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is the, one of those stories. This whole season for that matter is, and I've often talked about the, the case of Androzani, which is Davison's last story from the previous season, which so many, which a lot of people hold up and hold as a classic and one of the best stories ever made, which it may well be. I'm personally not that enamored with it. But the it's basically Goldfinger syndrome in some way, the, the same way the James Bond films got stuck for, what, 15, 20 years after Goldfinger happened, that it was always, we've got to replicate that formula. It's got to be oh, slightly over the top and funny and this, that, and the other. With Doctor Who in the eight, in the mid-80s, with Caves and Andrews Milani being such a big success, it's like everybody looked at that story and went, okay. It's it's a bit dark. It's a bit grim. The doctor doesn't accomplish very much in the story, but people loved it. Let's just keep trying to figure out how to do this story again. And Veros, as well as this entire season and really the Six Doctor era in general, is kind of a sign of that. I mean, you're right down to the guy wearing the mask, which is you know shares Jack all over again for that matter. You know, there's nobody in the story who's particularly likable or in the right, including the doctor himself, which is slightly screwy to be honest. <laughs> No, the doctor wasn't likable very much, and he truthfully put Perry in danger quite a few times in this one. And it was also, there was, you know, a few times, the doctor always, like we've said multiple times on the show, the doctor's always the smartest man in the room. Doctor wasn't in this one. He never even seemed like he was ever really in control. It seemed like he really cared. That's, yeah, that's more of it. I, 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 I figured he, because he did seem like he knew what was going on, and he never seemed like he really felt like he was in any danger at any time. So I did feel like he was, but that's just it. I, he felt like he was above everybody else in this, and, and even his companion. And that's, yeah, that's not the doctor I like to watch. Yeah, yeah he he knew he was going to get out of it. He didn't care about anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Including Perry. Yes, but maybe especially Perry. (laughs) It's like, yeah, go ahead. Go with those people. Oh, yeah, don't worry if you get turned into a bird. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Part of the reason I came on, you know, when I came on last time, I said, hey, if you've got any more six doctor stories, I want to, I would like to be in on that. And here we are today. Because I've been working on the source book in a role-playing game for the six doctor. So I was basically already planning to binge Baker. This is the first time I'd done any of the six doctor stuff was just in the last, you know, couple months. He, and e- I did ever, not ever? ever, 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 really. Oh, wow. I had never seen a single episode of, of, of Colin Baker okay. until now. And it was really eye opening because you, you hear the horror stories of, Oh, he's the worst doctor ever. It, you know, minus mo- modern internet, blah, blahs. You know, and how, but how he's always at the bottom of all of these lists and he's, and then you hear him in Big Finish and he's actually really good. I mean, they redeemed that character so oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah he so. is good yes. in Big Finish. Yeah. And it was just, 
I think he was he was done a disservice, very similar oh, yeah. to, to Capaldi and uh, and Jody, in that he's good. He's so good at being so unlikable. He was edgy before edgy was cool, but just and he just turned into what? That's and that was and this episode really kind of exemplifies that. Yeah. I, I mean, I go back to Eric Sayward is going to leave the show in less than 18 months time from when this was broadcast. And he does an infamous interview in Starburst magazine, which is floating around online. You can probably Google Eric Sayward Starburst interview and you'll find it. And he makes a lot of disparaging comments about a lot of people uh, involved in this year, including Colin Baker. And one of the things he, he says and has said again on DVD extras is he thought Colin Baker was miscast. Now, it doesn't take a huge leap of imagination to go, well, if you're sitting there thinking your leading man is miscast, are you going to spend a lot of time and effort to make to make scripts for him work or to make sure that his character is approachable and likable? I mean, I know that there was the grand, the sort of grand sort of Mr. Darcy plan that he was going to start out as unlikable and get friendlier as they went along. But the problem is, is that you have to, that's a great idea for a story, right. you know, for even the first couple right. of stories. It's another thing to do if you say, oh, this is going to be our big multi-year arc, because it just doesn't work, especially in the kind of serialized storytelling that Doctor Who is doing in the mid 80s. Right. And he's got to, it's okay if he's unlikable, but he's got to be unlikable or he's, he's bad, let's say, but he's got to be bad in a way that's compelling for people to watch. You know, like, mm. you know, like Walter White is a bad guy, but we're compelled to watch him because he's interesting. Uh, but they oh, don't well, give the, yeah, doctor the writing really, is fascinating. Right. They don't <laughs> give know? the doctor anything really. I mean, he's, it's more of an attitude and he just, he just comes across as standoffish and, and even, you know, even the scenes where, He's in uh, the TARDIS with Perry at the beginning. They're just like not fun to watch. And usually those sequences with doctors and their companions kind of bantering back and forth are just charming character moments. And not not so here. It's just it's, it's painful. Yeah, he gets he gets instantly sulky. It's like, well, the TARDIS is broken yeah. down. You're lucky. You're human. You're going to die soon. I'm going to be stuck here for the rest of my regenerations. It's like, who is this character? Yeah, yeah. You don't hear a doctor mention that either that he's going to regenerate very often, right? He or she's going to regenerate. It's like they kind of keep that. They don't. They don't like to like remind people of that because you know. I guess every time they're in a death situation, they're not really going to die. Well, I I, I guess if you put the body in acid, they're probably not going to yeah. regenerate out of that. <laughs> they regenerate. They, they 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 get eaten alive. Regenerate acid. Regenerate acid. But, uh, but Matthew, to your point, um, I did see uh, online where it's, uh, Seward did, was, was remarking about this one, and he was really critical of the directing of this one. And, look, I don't know if, you know, I don't, I don't really blame Ron Jones per se. I mean, is he the best director of Doctor Who? I don't know. He's directed some good ones, uh, some good episodes, but I don't know. I mean, the, it starts with the writing, really, and, and this is not written very well. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with the script. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it was mediocre directing, but I mean, it's not as bad as the writing. No, definitely not. But it's interesting because the series had been passed around for almost five years before this. It was originally done in the early 80s, and it was originally meant for Peter Davison's Doctor. And I don't really want to think about what that would have been like. <laughs> 
Unless they would have put Stadric into the acid. That would have been okay. <laughs> turn turn Adris into a lizard. Exactly. You know. So I mean you know. Philip yeah, Philip Martin definitely has a thing for the body horror stuff in here because there's a he also wrote one of the early, fairly early Big Finish Eighth Doctor audios called Creed of the Croman, which has uh, Charlie Pollard, who's the Eighth Doctor companion of that, trying to transform into something in the middle of that. And in, there's a, another thing, an antidote of, to Oblivion, where the Sixth Doctor's companion of that, who's not Perry, um, gets infected with a plague at one point. So you, you do have to kind of wonder what in the world's going on in Philip Martin's subconscious to yeah. keep putting, to keep basically trying to do terrible things to female companions. Yeah, basically fridging them. Um, and it, 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 yeah, it strikes me this story is so dark. Um, and even darker than I think it really is um, portrayed as. Um, because mm-hmm. if you think about a lot of the concepts here, it, they're not ones I want to think about for very long. Mm-mm, not at all. And especially reading and doing some research on this, I know shocked. I did research, but you know they you saw that this the original script had a lot more humor in it, and it's like, how could you add humor to this story? And that's well, I'm almost glad they didn't. No, <laughs> that would have made it even worse. I mean, yeah, the whole you know, I was talking to my sister about this, and we just decided you. You just feel kind of slimy <laughs> watching this, you know? It's just, it doesn't really have a lot of redeeming value here. It's just the people are awful. The story is awful. It's, it's, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with talking about the concepts. Now, I'm not saying that, that you can't talk about these concepts in a way that, that would make it compelling or, you know, evocative or you know really make you think about what's what's going on here and what the problems are here but that is it this is not a deep dive (laughs) into philosophy it is just it's very superficial and the doctor is very removed it's almost like he's just standing back and watching it happening and not caring at all knowing that he's going to get his his i forgot what it's called zyton seven or whatever it is you know and so he doesn't care about anything else yeah I mean, it is it is TV Doctor Who doing a full dystopia in a way I don't think the show had really done before or even since. Um, and I, and and like a lot of dystopian fiction, it does not have it's it's not a pretty world to be in. Um, I I am kind of you know I would have been curious to see the version of it with some more of the humor in because I don't know because I think that's part of the problem with the story in some ways is that it's there's no shades of gray as it were. It is all one thing and i think that without that it just it does become as a lot of dystopian fiction is it becomes unremittingly grim but there's no figure there's no sort of likable figures we keep saying to latch on to the doctor mm-hmm. included to kind of sort of even the scales a bit because right. exactly Even the quote-unquote good guys the rebels are not very compelling or they're really bland and they're not really that um they're not really that worthy of that anyway. And, and they, they keep dying around and nobody seems to care. Not even their fellow reb, rebels. <laughs> like, yeah, nobody just, uh, cares about anybody in this. Yeah. Now, I will say that, I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, and it's most of the case with these that I've seen. Perry's role in this is just slightly above an, uh, annoying, right? Um, um, and it, I will say in the first part of it, 
it did seem like Perry was the only one kind of looking around going, this is wrong. Like, I can't believe how bad things are here. This is so bad. But she never gets a chance to confront anybody about it. Um, and, and then she's used for, you know, fridging purposes later on. So it really doesn't matter. But there's, 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 unfortunately, they don't give, you know, Perry anything worthy to do, really. No, they don't yeah. at all. No, she's, she doesn't come off, you know, as brave. She doesn't come off as even a damsel in distress. She's just there. Mm. Yeah. She doesn't well, come off as, she doesn't even show any emotion, even when she's turning into a bird. She's no. just like, oh, turning into a bird. You know, you just want to shake her. It's, uh, you know, I mean, and it, 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 it's things like this, stories like this, where you kind of look and you're like, well, I guess they only hired her for two reasons. Oh, dear. Yeah, really? we all know. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's true, though, frankly. It is. Yeah. That's exactly is. how she's used. Oh, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's have her run some more. Nope. <laughs> exactly. Let's have her run. Let's, you know, it's us like, really? All right. Like, could, could we, why not you know, put her in a thong? You may as well, <laughs> how short those shorts were. I mean, they did start her out in the bikini, so. They did. They, yeah, they did. did. They did. And truthfully, there was a couple times I caught her accent lacking a couple times. Oh, her accent is terrible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But I mean, even she, when she, when she, even she we admits have to be that. We have to be reminded because she said Z instead of Z. We have to be reminded that she's American. I'm like, oh, okay, right. Oh, yeah. Zed. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah. subtle. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the problem that British TV and indeed audio drama had until the last sort of 10, 15 years, where it was sort of, it's, it's very much that Brit- it's a British person's idea of what an American accent ought to sound like. Which is so strange. There are so many British actors that do work, and as Americans, you watch their work, and you're like, I can't believe they're British. Like, you don't even know until you see the behind-the-scenes stuff. And yet, you watch British productions, and it's like they can't get the American accent down to save their lives. I don't know. It's just so strange. Well, as I understand it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the sort of union rules between here and the UK are so different, and particularly in the 80s were quite different, that you had a lot of British actors who were working in Hollywood. So you could rope them in to either play British or to do American accents. Uh, whereas in the UK, because you did not, your number of American actors that you had in the UK in the 80s was like, you could count on one hand, apparently, in the mm-hmm. way that Shane Rimmer and Ed Bishop turn up <laughs> turn up at everything <laughs> from you know, the late 50s all the way into the 90s, for that matter. So unless you were willing to pay the money to get an actor from Hollywood to come here, you you grabbed a, you grabbed whoever was British. You could you could do a quote unquote whose profile in their agents thing said they could do an American accent and just go, well, the the audience here is never going to never going to know the difference. It was it came from an age where it was just the assumption of, well, nobody's going to see this outside the UK. So why oh, worry? Don't care. Yeah. I mean, no. I, we have no room to speak. I mean, we have Dick Van Dyke. So. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Before we go any further, I wonder if we should stop this and put it out of its misery. Wow. You, brought, you had to play the Dick Van Dyke card. Wow. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this one? 
I do find it really interesting that uh, Matthew has mentioned and referred to James Bond twice in this podcast, and it just so happens that Sean Connery's son is in this episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, I forgot about that. That is true. And you know what? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, he, he adds nothing to this, you know. And if a Connery can't add something to it, then you know you're doing something. <laughs> a wrong. Connery with his shirt off too. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right, man. He's a scrawny Connery. Yes, he is. But yep. So let's go ahead and rate this one. <laughs> it's Mary Whithouse's favorite, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and in honor of that, Mary, you're going first. In honor of Mary Whithouse. <laughs> one out yeah. of five TARDIS is uh, one being the worst. And I don't think we can go below one. So <laughs> five being the best. Yeah. I don't think anyone will get near there. So go ahead. Imagine, imaginary numbers. Yeah, this this is terrible, everybody. <laughs> it's really bad. I don't recommend it at all. Don't watch it. <laughs> you know, I usually don't say flat out don't watch it, but really don't don't watch it. Um I, God, I feel I feel bad for Colin Baker because I, I he's so good in Big Finish, but man, he is he saddled a terrible story here. Though to be fair, he doesn't do anything with it. Um, and Perry is one of my least favorite companions, and boy, does she prove it even more here. So I'm giving it a one. Okay, maybe fair a point five. Yeah, well, you can do a point five. We, we do points in this. We do have. And the the cool thing with this, at least I will say, it was only a two-parter. It was only a two-parter, folks. I was, like, worried when I first was, I had to go look. How many parts is this? Oh, two. Thank God. I was worried it was a five-parter or a six-parter. It could have been worse. Yes. yes. It could have been so much worse. Was this the first time you've seen this one, Mary? Yes. Okay. First and last time I've seen this one. <laughs> No, I've I've seen Syl because I've seen the Trial of the Time Lord, so I knew his character. I mean, and, unless we do like a riff tracks, yeah. <laughs> it's it's actually ripe for that sort of thing. You know, we might get to the point where we finish all <laughs> material out there. Let's go back and let's review all this the Colin Baker era, but let's drink while we do it. No, <laughs> or something. All right, Dave, Dave, go ahead. <sighs> I'm I'm I feel like I'm about to give it the highest rating of all of us at a two. <laughs> I, I have to watch it in one of in a separate way. I watch it as as enjoyable, no, as research material, as a, a study of a lot of different things. I, it gets higher because of that. Like just the, the the opinion of television at the time, the way everything there was so much that was bad about this that you just have to study how it was bad and why it was bad. On top of just watching so, it as a study in bad television, yes, in bad. You're going to give it an extra point I'm because give it an extra it's, point. it's educational. Yep. I'm going to give it an academic <laughs> extra point. Well, there you go. All right, there you go, Matthew. Well, I'm about to surprise everybody um, because prior here to the, here comes the five. Here comes the five. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give it that high, but I will say that prior to rewatching it last night, having only seen it two or three times over the years, I would have agreed with absolutely everything that had just been said until I watched it again last night. 
because my opinion of it used to be that it was it was slow moving, very dark and very grim and not very pleasant. Having watched it again, my opinion of it has changed a bit in that I didn't think it was slow at all this time round. I did find that it was a lot better paced than I remembered it being. And I, I like the ideas of it, I think, maybe more than the execution, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of interesting dystopian ideas in there. There's a lot, there's a satirical edge to it. Um, you know, there's a whole, the, the whole business about basically reality TV and voting. Um, that's, you know, in some ways, you know, 15 years ahead of its time, given that we didn't end up with the reality TV boom till the mid late nineties. Um, and we're still feeling the repercussions of that today. And all that's there. And sort of there's, the, there's an edge of political satire. There's an edge of, Basically, a satirism of sort of the way '80s culture and economics worked. I mean, in some in some ways, Sill is like the ultimate yuppie in some ways, or at least the way that us millennials look back on yuppies. You know, he's somebody who's got a ton of money but no class whatsoever. You know, I'm gonna you know throw myself around because I've got power and I've got money, but I have no class with it, and I laugh at the most inappropriate thing just because I can. Um, and Sill's a wonderful character as well in this. Now, it's, it's not to say that it's perfect by any means, because um, as I think, as I've commented before, it's got problems throughout, particularly with the Doctor's characterization, and it is unremittingly dark and grim. It's got a dark sense of humor th- through it, which I think if you can appreciate that, which apparently I was in the mood for last night, I think you could enjoy those little bits of humor that's in it. But I think it's one of those stories I'm going to have to be in the right mood, in inverted commas, uh, to want to sit down and watch it. And apparently I was in that last night. I would go so far as to say it's probably the best story of the Colin Baker era. But given the rest of the Colin Baker era, that's not saying very much. So I am actually going to give it – I will give it a three out of five. Wow. Okay. And I am I, now banned from ever coming back on the podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. Not no, at all. You are entitled to your opinion. That was uh, no, that was well said, is, actually. This is the last six Doctor story we will have you back for, though. Until <laughs> <laughs> probably time, boys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would yeah, agree that they're, the concepts are interesting, but they are done so badly. Yes, <laughs> the, the, exactly. the way they played out was just really, really bad. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right, Ma- Mr. Mike Gordon, take us on, buddy. Yeah, uh, um, it's hard for me to find something really great to say about this. Um, although, to Matthew's point, I think we're in a time and we're living in a world now where, like, Varos looks good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> comparatively speaking. I mean, I said this about, like, when we saw it, when we reviewed the Batman. It's like, when Gotham looks like a good place to go for a vacation, you know things are bad in real life. Um and, and, you know, Varos, there is a lot of like stuff there that it's like, okay, it's not a great place, but, um, uh, I do like some of the concepts that come out, uh, or that are involved with this. Um, and I do like the idea and even somewhat the execution of Sill. Um, I like the fact that I like it when they, you know, when, when science fiction tries to take these stories and, and involve characters that are not necessarily humanoid. And work with them. I mean, obviously, Jim Henson and his crew would do this much better later on with like Farscape and stuff, but it's there. 
and I and I do appreciate his his enthusiasm in the role. We'll say uh, because he makes it the most memorable of anything that's in this. Um, so uh, I'm going to give this because of those things. I'm going to give this a one and a half. Wow! Okay. But like Mary, I, I'm I'm not encouraging anybody to watch. It. <laughs> And, and, there, and, there are and, better dystopian stories to watch. And, and, yeah. and granted, we've got trial. I can't like the thing yeah. that really bothers yeah. me, and the reason why we make fun or you know it's a running joke that the last thing we're going to do is on this show ever is do Trial of Time Lord, is because of what Matthew said is that if this is the best of the Six Doctor era, um, I can't. I honestly have seen now all of them except for Trial of Time Lord, and I've seen this one twice. For some weird, stupid reason, um, and and were you smoking uh, some to, of that dope, Mike? Come I on, I have to say, like this is like the this is the worst era of Doctor Who that I can think of, and I, I don't see any reason to revisit this at all. Ever. And I hate to say that because of Colin, um, you know, as an actor and as 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 his work is later, um, it's good stuff. But this is just, it's just, I just have found very very little. And I know some people like it and some people enjoy it, um, but not me. Yeah, okay. it, if there's anything that can be said about the Six Doctors TV era is that it gave something for Big Finish to react against when they brought the Six Doctor back. That's very, <laughs> yes. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> not yeah. disagreeing on that one. Not disagreeing Backhanded at all. compliment, to be sure. <laughs> I could definitely see that. So, Wow, but I definitely could see it. All right, um, my ratings. I'm probably going to go I'm going to go in between everybody. I'm going to do 1.75. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's higher than me. I know. I enjoyed it for two reasons and I don't need to say those two reasons because we're a family-friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> but um I did enjoy there's I it's Doctor Who. It is Doctor Who at some of its darkest points in the series, truthfully. And it's a a part where there was times I almost even gave up on the series and walked away from it completely. Glad I never did because I wouldn't be here with you guys. But it was just – it was not a good era of all-around stories. What next? We had the Ronnie story, which was what time in the Ronnie yeah. And yeah. that was not a good story. It had potential, but it just didn't. But I I wish we could have gotten better with it. And I wish I enjoyed this more because it was my first time seeing it. And I really watched it even sober. So I tried <laughs> to enjoy it. But there was a first mistake. I, I think so. But, um, I apologize now to Judy for making her watch it with me. (laughs) And I apologize to you guys for having to listen to us goof on it because we don't like being negative about Doctor Who when we don't have to be. But you know what, folks? As we like to say, really bad Doctor Who is better than a lot of other things out there. This one almost disproves that. So, I was going to say, this one challenges that. that one yeah, does yeah. Challenge. yeah. This, this, this is the exception. I mean, yeah. everybody out there complaining about Chibnall and New Who, really, go back and yeah. watch the Sick Doctor era. <laughs> yeah. And then, then, then let me know how Chibnall's you Chibnall's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say, I mean, look, I mean, I'm no fan of John Nathan Turner at all. 
but I will say that, you know, that what Chibnall is giving us is better than that. Yes. In my opinion. I know some yes. people don't agree, but in my opinion, that's that. Um, there's one or two episodes that come very close to this. But yeah. Yeah. But overall, I agree with that. Overall. Except but, for his, so, those are almost his better episodes, though. The ones that are the worst are almost his best. Yeah. Because they're so bad. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I was reading um, an interview and about Doctor Who stuff, and someone said in the interview that Vengeance on Varos is one of the best of the Colin Baker era. That's why I was excited to watch this. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. No. No. You're grading on a curve. Yeah, exactly. There. Yeah. It is a huge bell curve. A huge bell curve there, folks. Yeah. So I actually enjoyed the Cyberman story that he did more than this one. Come on. And Attack of the Cyberman with the yeah. one right before this? Yeah. It was better than that. But that's a very low bar, folks. A very, very low bar. So Dave has that quizzical look on his face. Like, Perry oh, was no. definitely better in that one. I mean, she was right. less useless. Well, exactly. So at least she was, was, she, was, I didn't even look at her feet. Was she running around in high heels in this one again? I don't think she uh, could see her feet either. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Okay. going to look at her wow. feet. Wow. <laughs> All right. So, folks. So these are the two definitely. reasons. Okay. Yeah. So Wait. exactly. Now. All right. So with that being said, feedback, earthstationwho.com. All complaints, put them to Matthew Kressel. You know. <laughs> so we definitely love you, Matthew, but you're, you're the guinea pig for this one. No. But we, yeah, to, to quote my other favorite TV show, stand there and be wrong in your wrongness. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So definitely would love to hear from you guys. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We always appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We couldn't do this without you guys. Uh, join us next episode because we actually are going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary next w- week. Woo-hoo! So that's right. We've been doing Earth Station Who for 10 years. And we're so we're going to do something special for it. We don't know what yet. But um, we are going to be reviewing Arc of Infinity, the Fifth Doctor storyline. And which is a great, great story because it brings back Omega, which, you know, I've been predicting the whole new series since, you know, the Matt Smith era. (laughs) Omega's behind this. It's got to be Omega. You say Omega almost as much as a lot of people say value. Exactly. So (laughs) I don't say that word, so it's okay. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't think you – I know, Mike, you haven't seen that one before. So you're in for a treat. You might see some very familiar faces pop up in that one. So it'll be very interesting to see. So, of course, we'd love to hear from you guys. And as always, you know, please subscribe to the Facebook group, subscribe to the podcast, you know, join, join, join. And, you know, rate us if you'd like. Don't take this episode as an example of what you should be rating on. But, you know, please give us a good rating. Five stars if it's great. Four stars if it's bad. So, Definitely do that for us. Of course, let's thank our guests for being here. Dave Chapman, thank you, sir. You're very, very welcome. Anytime. Anything, anything you want to shout out about? If you are listening to this podcast the day it is released, head over to therathole.ca slash who, and you will find my brand new spanking live at the same time as this episode uh, review of the 
doc, uh, six doctor source book for the doctor who role-playing game. You can see more of my thoughts on, on Colin Baker's delightfulness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Matthew, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you again for having me. Always a pleasure. Dude, it's always great to have you, even though we were making fun of it a little bit. But it's always great to have you, sir. I'm always thankful that you let me come back on. Oh, we will. Just not for a Sixth Doctor story. Seventh Doctor, that's okay, because you do a great Seventh Doctor cosplay, so it's cool. Yes, that I do. Anything you want to shout out about? Well, since the last time I was on the show, I think it was late last summer, I've won something called the Sidewise Award. Uh, for 2020's Best Alternate History Short Story in an anthology called Alternate Australias uh, from Sea Lion Press. So please go seek that out. And if you want to read more of my Doctor Who stuff, uh, feel free to look me up on Warp Factor. Um, and I'm currently reviewing some Big Finish stuff over there. So feel free to check that out. Most excellent. Most excellent. And of course, thanks to our regulars for being here. Mary, thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. I was going to say thank you for having me, but <laughs> it was vengeance on Varos. But it was fun. It's always fun talking to you guys, no matter what. And where can people find your artwork? Uh, you can find me at mariogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. Most excellent. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as painful as it was to watch this one a second time, as always, it's my pleasure uh, reviewing it with you guys. I'm still amazed you watched this before because it's like. I'm amazed I watched it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not amazed I watched it the first time. I'm amazed that I, I, yeah, about five or six minutes into it, I'm like, I've seen this one before. And for the life of me, I can't remember why. I thought we did it on the show, but I've looked back and we have not. So, and I don't know why I've seen this one before, but I have. And, um. Yeah, I'm just going to try to forget so you, about it again. Yeah, you tried to block it out of your mind. Maybe, yeah, in, maybe, a- maybe in five more years we'll watch it again and tell Mike you've never <laughs> seen it before. <laughs> and I'll, I'll believe, and I'll believe you. Of course you will. Of course. All right, folks, that's it for tonight. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, everyone's doing okay. And you know what? Oh, real quick. And folks, we are going to be at a con coming up in the end of March, in March 19th and 20th. We're going to be at the con formerly known as Atlanta Comic Con. Uh, it's going to be at the World Congress Center in Atlanta, Georgia. And Earth Station Who is going to be doing a Doctor Who panel, talking all about um, what's going on with Doctor Who now and talking about who might be the new Doctor. Maybe we might have some news by then. We don't know. And we actually had written the panel originally to be in uh, July. So we originally thought we were going to know who the new doctor was going to be by that point. <laughs> but sad enough, it's, we don't know. And so you definitely can check it out. If you go to the Atlanta Comic-Con uh, website and, and it's going to be at, the, like I said, World Congress Center in Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but we will be there Saturday and Sunday. We're going to be doing a podcasting panel. We're going to be doing the Doctor Who panel we talked about. And we're also going to be doing an MCU panel. So we are going to be talking about a lot of really cool stuff. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a really neat thing going on. Uh, it's called called the Fandemic Tour, so is what it's changed into. So you can check it out, fandemictour.com, and you definitely could 
see all about the con. And they are m- making some amazing announcements with the guests they are going to be having there, including Barrowman's going to be there. So wouldn't it be great if he stopped by the Doctor Who panel we're doing? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. You never know. So it'd be great. Definitely check it out. Until then, my name's Mike Faber on behalf of all of us here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making us make it for 10 years. This is awesome. We are coming up on our 10th anniversary, folks. And Mr. Mike, we made it through 10 years together on this. I'm surprised we made it through this one. Oh, I know. Shocker. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We will see you soon. Peace. And we are done. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.